most intimidating fast bowlers. And a cricket journo, not afraid to take the strike. Oh, how about it? This is the fast and the curious. Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner, your home for all forms of summer's game. Well, this time last week, Mitchell Johnson and I sat here in studio together discussing the squad that had just been selected for Australia's test tour of South Africa. Fast forward seven days, two million people in the Perth and Peel regions are in lockdown, the test tour is off and the Perth Scorchers are locked out of WA. What a week it has been. Welcome to a very bizarre edition of The Fast and The Curious. I'm Bonnie Rayner. As always, we're brought to you by Tab Touch. Make the most of summer. Gamble response. For gamblers' help, call 1800 858 858. Mitch, they say a week's a long time in football. How about these last seven days? <laughs> hey, Bonnie. Hey, listeners. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been an interesting week, hasn't it? Uh, with everything going on, but um, look, we're, we're sitting it out at the moment, um, and that's all we can really do. Hopefully, the government here have um, can sort it all out. It's a bit of a shame that. Yeah, the, the, the Scorchers don't get to play a home, home uh, semi, but um, I'm sure they'll, they'll be fine and they'll, you know, they've had some time in Canberra to get used to that pitch. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when the news first broke on Sunday of the lockdown, it seemed a bit stiff that the Perth Scorchers were going to lose their home ground advantage. They're playing at Monica now where they're winless this season as opposed to Optus Stadium where they're undefeated. So it could not be more um, contrasting. But after everything with the devastating fires, with the coronavirus mm. risk and the community in lockdown, it's incredible how fast that concept of a home ground advantage just isn't even mentioned and as it shouldn't be it's a case of the whole summer has been we just get on with what we're dealt with yeah well I mean the Scorchers didn't have a a really good record at Optus before this season so um yeah they can change it around that's for sure uh look they'll they'll be fine that they'll they had a bit of a mishap last game um but yeah they've Played a really good season. They will be uh, ready to go for this match and um, hopefully be in that final. They deserve it. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we had Ashton Turner on the podcast last week and I asked him about his decision to uh, bat second against the Brisbane Heat and he said that was because they hadn't really had much exposure to chasing lately. Of course, he wins the toss the other night and there's that big lure of we play a lot better when we bat first. So he chooses to bat and then halfway through the match, the dew comes into it and the Sixers chaser runs in about 10 overs because the ball's coming on so nicely. It's a, it's a tough one to swallow, isn't it? Because there was that mental debate in his own head of we're so much better batting first, but that probably saw him dismiss the conditions. Yeah, I guess sometimes you can be a bit, um, take things a little easy and well, yeah, we've done well batting for other things come into it. That's why you have to adapt so so quickly in this game and obviously the due factor was, was a big part of the game the other night, so Look, when it comes to the toss uh, tomorrow um, night, they have to make that decision um, if they win it, what they want to really do, and if they can, you know, see the conditions. And I mean, they've been there for a few more days now, so they'll they'll understand the conditions a lot better. Um, so yeah, um, they'll just have to adapt a lot better, I think, and, and quickly. Yeah, and Turner was brilliant after the emphatic loss on Saturday night. He said that I put my hand up; that was the wrong decision. He said in fourteen games we haven't had you 
play a factor and tonight it certainly did. So at least he's hopefully learned mm. from that. The other big one, just quickly before we get to our chat with Scorchers opener Jason Roy, is last night's announcement of the Tour of South Africa being postponed. We'll get Robert Craddock's thoughts on that. But mm. were you surprised by this or did you see this coming? Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, it was something that was sort of swirling around during the test series against India that, you know, that it may be it was never postponed or it in, may be. It? No, it never felt like it was locked in here, but by the sounds of it, it was pretty much locked in over there from yeah. the South African um, side of things. But yeah, it's, I guess it's from their point of view, very disappointing. And from Australia's point of view, it's very disappointing not to go over there because I mean, the Australian team do have a good record over there um, and it's disappointing because some players haven't had a lot of experience over there and it's a great place to play. Uh, and obviously with what's happening with South African cricket at the moment, they really do need teams going over there to play, especially the, the bigger nations um, like Australia, England and India and so on. So, yeah, disappointing. Um, I don't know what happens from here. To be honest, uh, I guess we'll find out what, what Crash thinks about it. Do you think there's any chance, uh, us Crash this as well, but just your thoughts, do you think, like we saw the IPL staged in Dubai in a neutral venue, it seems very 100 to zero in a way to sort of go, yep, it's locked in in South Africa to no, this can't happen at all. Do you think, I'm sure there's a lot more that's going on behind the scenes that we obviously aren't privy to, but do you think there could yep. be contingency plans to hold it in a neutral venue instead of it totally being off the cards? Well, you'd think there would be, um, especially in these times. That would be it was going to be played, that sort of planning. But it was going to be played without crowds anyway. So it's not as if um, Cricket yeah. South Africa would be, um, you know, trying to protect that income of ticket sales. It wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, it'd just be interesting, the whole thing, like to see what the real reason is or hear what the real reason is because, I mean, we've just had India here. Um, we know that they bring in a lot of money um, or a lot of revenue for, for Cricket Australia. Um Obviously, India has been smashed with COVID. Uh, South Africa is being smashed with COVID. So I, I sort of don't get why the decision's been made. But um, look, it's been made, and and now we have to move forward and look look to what what's coming up next. So I don't know what that'll be. Yeah, they have announced that obviously when they named the squads last week for the Test Series and the T20 Series that they would stay as is, uh, irrespective of whether the Test Tour went ahead. So I guess that in itself shows that there was a bit of doubt when they picked the squads that the Tour wasn't confirmed. Andrew McDonald, um, assistant coach to take the reins in New Zealand for the T20 Series, that is set to stay as is. That makes me wonder if there is more to this. Because if they're keeping, you're not going to have Steve Smith, David Warner, Pat Cummins, et cetera, watching the, the five T20s from home, you'd think that would be the very last resort option, uh, especially if you're keeping Justin Langer and the test team ready. Could there be test matches against New Zealand? Could there be the series against South Africa in a neutral venue? Or is the Sheffield Shield going to be the real winner here? They were set to have 37 players out of the domestic system with the overlapping tours and maybe now uh, do these players play Shield? Shield cricket, it is. I think. Um, I think it's a that's a win for Australia, Australian cricket. But um, obviously, it's not ideal, like like we said. Um, but yeah, I, I think 
it can only be a good thing for for Shield cricket and and the players that are playing in that the the Test players coming back and it's just interesting that the that the best Test players uh, are in the are going to be selected for the T20 like you just sort of mentioned. Um, if if they're the best players and they're going to be selected maybe later on down the track in the World Cup, maybe they should be going over to to the T20. But that's really interesting to see what happens out of that if they're actually in the minds of the selectors for for that World Cup. But um, it is hard though because yeah, how, do you, sort of, how do you select a eighteen man squad to go to New Zealand and then control Z? Deselect and replace now that yeah, the you, test. Yeah, can't. you can't do that. Yeah. yeah, you can't. You can't deselect guys. That's that would be pretty unfair. Um, so I mean, it's a great opportunity for them. And, and look, they can fall back onto the shield, the shield cricket now. The, the test players. So look, they're going to get some good cricket uh, under their belts. Um, hopefully. So yeah, that's all they can really do at the moment. And I think it's one of those. It's going to be one of those years where. Yeah, COVID again is, is sort of taken over. Um, but there are other countries that are playing and they're playing a lot of test cricket. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. I think we all thought the COVID chaos might stay in 2020, but if we've learned anything, it's not to mm. assume. Um, and it looks as though it's going to be a, another COVID-affected year, as you say. But as we mentioned off the top, the Perth Scorchers, they're currently in Canberra, denied a home final due to WA's five-day lockdown. Joining us from the nation's capital is Perth opener Jason Roy. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. Can we start with a bit of a light-hearted question? Not meant to <laughs> offend anyone as every nation's approach is very different, but with England okay. in lockdown with over 30,000 cases of coronavirus a day, is it a little bit bizarre to you that 2 million people in Perth are in lockdown over one case? I, I was I was actually really shocked. Um but you can you can see why you guys have done such a good job of it because you guys listen extremely well and you have a guy who's kind of makes his decision and sticks with it. I think the the decision to make a lockdown, yeah, it was obviously pretty crap for for us not being able to come back there and play one of the finals and and obviously everyone that's in Perth, it's it's tedious. However, in the long run, I think it'll probably serve you some good. I think like, I know it was one person, but um, you never know what what could go on and, and happen. So. Um, yeah, it was frustrating not to get back to Perth, that's for sure, especially for, for family members. Yeah, definitely a flattening result when you were so close to getting on the plane on Sunday. Yeah. I, I guess it's a case for us here of short-term pain for long-term gain. And, of course, we're thinking of all of your family back in the UK. I know that they're in a really yeah. tough lockdown at the moment. So although you're in hub conditions, I guess it's probably better to be in Canberra at the moment Mate, than uh, the UK. Absolutely. This is freedom compared. I think this. Is, well, we've gone into our second lockdown back home, um, back in England. So... Um, obviously our first lockdown was two months and now this one's uh, lasting about a month and a half or, or so until they make the decision to go any further but yeah at the moment being out here is pretty good but to be honest I'd take being in lockdown after being away for three months. Yeah I bet you're um, very calculated decision I guess last year to um, skip the IPL with the Delhi Capitals yeah. um, to yeah. avoid being in a biosecure bubble effectively for a year. Um, yeah. That must really be paying dividends now and a week away from getting home from your, to your family, you must be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, there's definitely the light at the end of the tunnel now. I think um, making that decision to pull out was as, yeah, clearly been the right decision um as far as my mental state is concerned um it just would have been 
extremely difficult to kind of be away for that amount of time um, considering the year we had back home as well um, back in England with all the with all the protocols there it was absolutely strict no one's allowed to watch the games no one allowed in not allowed home during the series all this sort of stuff so um, yeah very very excited to get home um, I'm home for what well I think it's like 20 <laughs> days or so I'm home for like 20 days and then um, I'm off to India again um, so yeah it's pretty busy Hey Jason, it's Mitch here. Um, how hey, have you found um, the big batch this year, mate? Um, has it has it been um, with all the protocols in place? Has yeah. it been an exciting tournament, or was it dragged out mate. a bit? Oh, mate, to, to me, coming like I just uh, touched on there, coming off the back of the year we had with no crowds, no nothing. Um, I had that fourteen days quarantine, and then I was straight into it. Really, three days afterwards at the Adelaide Oval, um, I remember turning up. And there was a few people there, and then I was having that hit there at the as you, as you know those nets quite well. They they yeah. the crowd get to come and watch quite a bit. Um, and I was I was sitting there batting and enjoying myself, and all of a sudden there was like 10, 20, 30 people watching, and I was like, this is absolute heaven. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is unbelievable. And then you kind of remember why you play the game, and you kind of you see the kids smiling, you say hello to people, and and like you put some smiles on the kids' face, which is absolutely incredible. So to me. Um, from what I've known from the last year, yeah, this has been extremely exciting, even though most of the crowds have been only at about, well, not even 50%. So, um, oh, that's yeah, good to hear. Loved it, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely loved it. It's been a, it's been a nice breath of fresh air, to be honest, after a pretty, pretty rubbish year. It's given us a lot of fresh perspective, hasn't it? We've been used to, you know, having up to 50,000 people in the stands and then yeah, after the, crazy. after recalibrating, having 30 people watching on in the nets is, is a blessing. So then to, oh, was huge, yeah. <laughs> to come home to Perth <laughs> and to have 30,000 fans um, at one of your games, that was oh, a was Sydney enormous. Thunder match. That's uh, currently the biggest crowd um, to date yeah. of BBL 10. Obviously a highlight for you of the the trip home, if you can call that. Uh, 74 not out, player of the match display yeah. against Hobart, combining for a 123-run stand with Liam. Uh, how, yeah. di- how did you find your two weeks stint in Perth? Uh, the, the adrenaline rush going out to play in front of that that crowd was absolutely incredible. After not having it for a year, um, I got such a good pump from it. It was, it was such a nice feeling. Um, <laughs> haven't felt that in a while, so that was pretty cool. Was it hard to control your emotions? Uh, do you know what? I actually found it a bit easier to kind of um, focus in on my game with with kind of all that crowd there being there because you mm. realise you're there to actually perform and and put on a bit of a show. Um, like T20 is, it's a bit of a a spectacle. So you kind of just almost take your mind off. Yeah, of, and you can feed off it a bit. Yeah, you can feed off of it, and you take your mind off all the, the unnecessary stuff, and you just focus on just like enjoying yourself and. That's when I play my best cricket. So um, that was incredible. That home support was phenomenal. Now, Absolutely phenomenal. You sort of sniggered a little bit when I mentioned your partnership with Liam. I presume that's yeah. uh, the mention of Liam Livingston. I have a pretty <laughs> yeah. good insider information into the camp and I hear that you and Liam are awfully amusing to be around because you <laughs> never stop absolutely shredding well, each other to pieces. Can you confirm well, if this is, is true? Yeah, the, oh, it's 100% true. The issue with him is... <laughs> The issue with this fella is that he thinks he's a 9.7 out of 10. That's his issue. And like, every, everyone knows, everyone knows watching the game and then I'll change him that he's probably, he's probably teaching on the edge of a five. So for, for, 
So for him to get into the sheds and whatever and start giving it massive, it just it started getting on my nerves. So I've left it a couple of times. Um, but no, we've um, we've got him extremely well. It's the first kind of trip we spent this much time together, and um, I haven't wanted to wring his neck too much just yet. So he's been he's been brilliant and great value around the team. Yeah. Have you got stuck into him about his hairline yet? Oh, well, endlessly. But the problem is that's not the only thing that's the issue with it do you know what I mean it's like a list of things that you're just kind of like oh mate I'm loaded up here my base is loaded up just don't don't even come at me because you're in trouble <laughs> it does but sound no, it does he's, sound he's like so he takes it extremely well very very good camaraderie off the field and although Justin yeah. Langer clearly is no longer at the Perth Scorchers but his three BBL championship wins were built very heavily on on a really tight knit group off the field and that success trans Translating yeah. to on-field success, did Liam's presence have any sway in your decision to come to Perth? Obviously, I'm very aware you don't play for the same counties, but having versed him in county cricket and the T20 yeah, Blast. Yeah I, heard, that- yeah, I heard some good things from um, both um, Chris Jordan, David Willey um, and Liam about mm. kind of how things are run and, and how things are. And it's obviously a, been a huge, hugely successful team over the years. So... Um, as soon as that kind of offer come, it came along, I was I wasn't really waiting for any others. I was I was excited to come over to a, a pretty successful franchise. So um, yeah, I guess you would say it probably did have an influence. Yeah, yeah, all those guys, including Ian Bell as well, probably would have said those Aussie blokes are pretty good, pretty good guys. So um, good fun to be around. <laughs> deep down, yeah, deep down, they're good fellas. <laughs> deep down, you'll get on with them. Nah, it's been brilliant. The group's been fantastic. So if you did have the opportunity um, to come back next year, would you have any hesitations about returning to the Perth Scorchers? Absolutely. No, I mean, that would be the team I'd return to. Um, the hard thing is, like I've touched, like we said earlier, was the kind of the amount of cricket that's coming up with the World Cup Um being just before it um it just depends what kind of mental state i'm in really to make that decision but um absolutely i think perth would i mean if they offered me a deal i'd, I'd be more than happy to come back obviously and so what has helped you sort of get through the the bubble life i think i know the answer to this and i think it's playstation but what has helped you yeah. handle the hub um do you know what we're so lucky with um with technology as well with facetime and everything like that i think being away for so long and Still being able to speak every single day to my little girl and, and the wife back home has, has been pretty cool. Um, mm. But yeah, I think Xbox has been a huge thing. Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> trying, to, trying to just kind of get better at that, but it's not going very far. <laughs> Who do you play Call of Duty with? And um, well, I'm, are still you better, t- I'm still better than AJ. <laughs> let's put it that way. Let me just put that, let me just put that straight. He's, he's, he's played far too much to be the stand he's at now, but... No, it's me. Yeah, it's probably me, Livy. Um, Jai Richardson's pretty handy. He he kind of knows his way around the map. But yeah, we, we kind of get lost in it for a couple of hours, which is handy. Otherwise, we're just sitting here staring at the wall. So. I hear it's, uh, yeah, not too hard to be better than AJ at Call of Duty. Uh, <laughs> in terms of um, the coaching staff, uh, Adam Voges yeah. and yeah. Bo Casson, uh, you probably wouldn't have worked with them an awful amount before you no, came never, out no. over here. Was there anything about the team's processes or, or training or anything that surprised you? Uh, not really, no, if I'm honest. Um, I think any new franchise you go to or any new team you go to, you just you, you adapt and you kind of you just get on with things um that every franchise has got a different way of the way they go about their game their their processes their formula um their training sessions and you just adapt so nothing really surprised me i just took it all in my stride a little bit um 
but I've absolutely loved it, to be honest. They've been brilliant. I mean, Bo's a great uh, tactician and, and so is Mace, the bowling coach. Um, and V's there when you need him. He's, he's managing the blokes extremely well. Uh, obviously, we got off to a tough start. So when I, when I got, it was a little bit on edge, the, the camp. Um, and then we turned it around really quickly and we, we had that home stretch and V managed to kind of keep everyone at a kind of even keel. So, yeah, I've been, been quite impressed with them. Yeah, just yeah, before we let you go, mate. Um, uh, this off cricket, but uh, yeah, any new tattoos coming up when you, uh, mate? I want plenty. I like? almost want. I want to cover my body, but the, my, hey, being married, that kind of puts a put a halt to a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, want, I, I know how you feel. Ideas. Yeah, I've got a few <laughs> ideas and stuff, but um, I've got to get them past the the CEO first, <laughs> and then and then go from there. But yeah, oh, yeah good, good luck with it's that. It's also finding the time as well, mate. Like with all this cricket and stuff can't I've got to have like two yeah. three weeks afterwards where I can't be diving on in my arms and all that sort of stuff so how disappointing when your profession gets in the way of your tattoos can you believe it can <laughs> you believe it I'm going to have to side with the CEO here I think there's a I'm going to guess that cricket probably generates a bit more income well, I, I think AJ AJ wants a big chess piece but he's too scared to ask you yeah okay so, well let's get the Call of Duty yeah. symbol I reckon uh, on that note it has been wonderful to talk to you thank you for your time and and all the best obviously for the upcoming match hopefully two more um, and you can yeah. make it through to Saturday's final and then of course Absolutely. beyond that um, you know enjoy being reunited back with your wife and your daughter yeah very excited yeah. very excited thanks very much for having me on guys yeah it's a massive do or die final for the Perth Scorchers on Thursday night up against Chris Lynn's Brisbane Heat that'll be live and free on Channel 7 Minch this is a tough one for you because you're a Queenslander at heart you're an adopted West Aussie who are you cheering for Yes, I'm a Queenslander, but this is Brisbane Heat. So and, and it's only Brisbane, one part of Queensland. What state is Brisbane in again? I just forget. It's Queensland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Geography was never my good, strong point. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. Um, no, of course I'm going for the Scorchers. Uh, I did have one, well, I think I was contracted for a couple of years with the Heat. Never played a game. Um yeah, unfortunately, it would have been nice to, to play a game for him. But, yeah, it'll, I'm definitely going for the Scorchers. I think they've probably been a little more consistent. Um, but I have been a little bit worried about the heat uh, over the last couple of weeks. Just Manas just keeps just the taking style wickets of play. for fun. <laughs> yeah. I think they've got to stop micing him up. It's, um, the chat is yeah, relentless, got to keep, keep. Yeah, I've got to keep muting the, the TV. <laughs> so... No toasted sandwiches for him. I don't know, I don't know if him. anyone really likes that, to be honest. Yeah, no toasties. <laughs> <laughs> Only Marnus. Um, yeah, nah. It, it was always going to be Marnus. There was no one else that it was, it was going to be. Just quickly, I want to get your thoughts on that. <laughs> I, maybe I'm a bit biased, obviously, over here. Justin Langer, we know how much of an incredible bloke he is and you played under him for many years. But I, I wonder if with that toasted sandwich thing, has it been taken out of context a little bit? Because when I first read the report, it was that JL said to Manus, when you are pulling things out of your pockets on the field based on what we've ha- had to deal with in the last two years, how do you think that looks? And now in the subsequent reports, it's come out as you can't eat that. And it's almost trying to make him sound like he's a nutrition Nazi. And I first interpreted as it is a bad look based on the fact that Cameron Bancroft pulled sandpaper out of his pockets and on the field, I yeah. don't think it's a good look for any Australian player to pull things out of their pockets. Oh, it's definitely been blown out of proportion. And I think 
sort of makes him look like a bit of a babysitter to to the to the team in a lot of ways. But it's definitely been blown out of proportion. I don't think JL's that um, that grumpy and that sort of full on as a as a coach. But um, yeah, I just think it's just the incident in South Africa. Just sort of maybe just making the players aware of what things may look like and just giving him that advice. Yeah, I had a brief chat to JL the other day. It's been a really difficult few days for him, lots of criticism around his coaching style and uh, it just seems as though you're not going to please anyone because in that scenario specifically to the toasted singer, if he hadn't said anything, what's the bet there would have been reports about that's a terrible look, you know, have they really made amends? And then because he did say something, now he's a Nazi. I I wonder if perhaps after the series lost to India, we've been a bit quick to criticise because if he wasn't filthy with his players for losing to a second 11 Indian team at home, wouldn't that also raise eyebrows out of arrogance and they don't really care? I think this has been happening since probably South Africa and even maybe just before the the kind of criticisms that are just pointless. Like it's nitpicking. Like I've spoken about, I think it was last podcast. It is. It's it's all about finding something that is going to cause a stir. And that's all it is to me. Like there's, there's, there's way too much. People read way too much into things um, these days and there's so much rubbish that is being spoken and it frustrates me when I hear it, but um, I'm not in that position of JL as well and the players. So I don't, um, don't let it sort of get to me too much, but um, as an ex player looking at it from the outside now, it's got to be, it's got to be so frustrating to the players if if they're reading these things and it only causes problems um, within the team. If, if they take it all all personally. So I've rambled on a little bit here, but, yeah, it's it's it really is just nitpicking for me. How about the James Vince wide? What have you heard? <laughs> well, it just made Did me... you hear the message I sent to, to AJ? I did not. Has he no, told you? No, I did not. <laughs> it, is it, I don't think anyone wants to hear about that. Is it appropriate to say on here or...? It's, well... What are we rated? (laughs) Probably M with you on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Plus, 18 plus. Yeah, yeah, look, there's – well, I saw a couple of the the comments that came out afterwards as well. Again, um, uh, Michael Vaughan, I I follow him on on Instagram and I saw something he'd said about – how poor it was. And what did England cetera, do in 2006 when Gilly had the opportunity? Exactly. Exactly. And I saw that bit of banter that With was Gilly. happening between him and, and, and Gilly. So, look, oh, I don't think AJ meant it, but in the end, um, it's, it's, it's only 100. Um, it's a personal milestone. Does it really matter? Is it not more important to host a Big Bash final? I'd say so. Uh, look, if I was in that situation, someone did that to me, I'm sure I'd be pretty upset at the time. Um, and I think Vince probably was. That was a natural way to react mm. is to be as quite annoyed. Uh, but I think he would have gotten over that pretty quickly as well. Yeah, hopefully so, he's again, it. Again, it's just one of those things that, look, he probably could have scored 100 and over before previous to that. Well, why, if it so was so you important. Can't blame a, you can't blame the bowler on that situation. Why did he take a single off Jai and then Daniel Hughes 
crunch a four when they needed five to win. And then block out three to get him back on strike. Yeah, so, it's interesting. Yeah. And I understand, I think the immediate apology um, probably indicated if there was malicious intent or not. I understand I, I would sound yeah. incredibly biased, but just on a whole, not specific to that incident, I think it's really dismal to see the character questioning, uh, whether it's AJ or yes. JL, it's both happened over the past few days. Yeah. I think the wide, you could tell, that was very accidental, immediate apology. And within 30 minutes, there was 500 abusive, threatening comments on his latest Instagram post from a month ago. And I think as a former player, you would agree that you can get so used to having your performance criticised because that's part and parcel and you don't have to listen to that. You can laugh off the nuffles comments online and that's fine. But having your character and your integrity questioned, I think is is probably crossing the line, I would have thought. It's below the belt. Yep, 100%. I agree. And I think it's disgusting when people do that and – that's the disgusting side and the evil side of social media. And I still see it to this day. Like if you make a comment about uh, about something that somebody Anything. doesn't like and then you can post something up on your Instagram that's not related to anything apart from your life and and then you're just getting comments that you've that you're this, you're that, you're, mm. you're um, from the, the comments that you've made um, a week ago. So, mm. yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not a good place, is it, social media? Anyway, looking ahead, so jumping from Big Bash over to the big news overnight, the South Africa tour. Yeah, well, there is more questions than answers at the moment. As you'd expect, the news of the postponed tour only breaking late last night. The implications on the Test Championship, when the series will be rescheduled to, so much to ask. So we thought we'd bring in one of the best in the business to seek a bit of clarity. Welcome to the show, Robert Craddock. Thank you. Yes, Bonnie, you put it well. Uh, the future is, is very clouded over the South African tour, which was cancelled It was postponed, I should say, but no one could tell us when it can possibly fit into the schedule. It's a very tight one. South Africa is shattered. Their cricket boss, Graham Smith, is uh, beyond shattered. You know, as strong as his quotes are in the media today, I'll tell you, add 50% on that and you've got his level of fury. Yeah, absolutely. They held no prisoners in their feedback, didn't they? Calling it an 11th hour bail. Extremely disappointing, outlining some of the hoops they jumped through, which, you know, to their credit, sounds like they did put in a lot of work to try to make sure it went ahead. We saw with the IPL in September, while India were in a lot of strife with COVID, it was held in a neutral country in the UAE. Were you surprised that this this series hasn't been staged somewhere? like Dubai instead of postponed? Good question. Simply a matter of South Africa were told Australia was on the plane on February 18. So they left it so late to cancel that they couldn't put it anywhere else. And by then, South Africa just had a gutful. They said, I beg your pardon. No, it's here. You said you're on the plane. So I can understand their frustration. And I do very strongly feel that sometimes in Australia, we look after ourselves beautifully we don't look after other nations quite as well. We've got a bit of a history of sort of doing what suits us. I mean, in the last, since COVID broke out, there's only two countries we play, India and England. We have pulled out of series against Afghanistan, Bangladesh and South Africa. So is there, the cynics amongst us would say there's a bit of a pattern there, but there you go. Yeah, hey, Crash. Um, yeah, because I remember you mentioning, I don't know if it was in our last podcast that we did or if I'd seen it somewhere that you 
you spoke about that Australia would have to go to that tour to South Africa because of basically what you've just mentioned there, that we've looked after ourselves, Cricket Australia and the players in, in Australia, but, um, but yeah, they've, they've pulled out of a few other tours. So it is very interesting, isn't it? It is. And that's exactly what I said, Mitch, and I got it wrong. I thought that it was our turn to give, not take. We've taken this summer. We put India through the hoops. They've come here. And, and we whinged like Donald Trump losing the election, didn't we, when when, when India was talking about, oh, we, your quarantine's too strict and all that. <laughs> At least they fronted up and they got through the tour. But I thought it was our turn to give to South Africa. They are in a financially impoverished state at the moment, and this will absolutely devastate them. They are so poor that this time a year ago, Graham... Yeah, they're struggling now, aren't they? Oh, they are. They they really are. And Graham Smith, this time last year, had to fly to India and beg them to play three T20s. He said, we're desperate to get out of trouble financially. And, of course, those were cancelled due to COVID. Yeah, it's very interesting as well because when you consider Australia has the five-match T20 series against New Zealand, which the players are due to fly out for this weekend, do you think there could be a bit of a subplot here that Cricket Australia might be eyeing off some test matches either side of those T20s against New Zealand instead of playing uh, against South Africa? We've been told by Nick Hockley today that won't happen, that that they're just going for that T20 series. But even that was very awkwardly programmed, wasn't it? And I, and I get it. New Zealand rang up and said, we've just got to have an Australian team there to generate some money. So they sent what was essentially their second and third team there. And, but they're not changing that team, which now becomes embarrassing because all these superstars will come back to Australia, will stay in Australia and rest before the IPL. So And they probably will go to the IPL, which now looks like being in India, COVID rarely ravaged India, but they couldn't go to COVID ravaged South Africa. So it's all very confusing and disappointing. But I will say this, I can understand South Africa's frustration. If you're not coming, please don't let us know at five minutes to midnight. It's like, you know, saying you're not coming to a birthday party when the streamers are out, the sausage rolls are on the table, (laughs) got the candles there, you say... Actually, I, I don't. I don't think I'll come. So it's, it's it is disappointing. I, I I get where they're coming from. So what does that mean then? For you just spoke about the IPL now, now being it look like it's going to be in India. So what does that mean for the Australian players that are picked up in that? What, what do they do? Well, I just think they'll have a lovely rest beforehand before going to the IPL uh, in, in India, if if indeed it is held there, which I think it might be, but. The long-term consequences of this decision are interesting, Mitchell, because Mm. I think you'll agree that Tim Payne now is a certainty to Captain Australia in the Ashes, which is be Australia's next test in November. But here's a little interesting statistic to throw to you. Before the first test against England at the Gabba in November, Australia will play no test cricket. India in that time – England in that time will play 17 tests – I mean, so Australia will come into that test very underdone. And you uh, know the benefits of match play. India, uh, England will play 17 tests series against New Zealand, against India. They've got a good test program. Mathematically, we are still a chance, aren't we, for the test championship, but we'd have to have England defeat India on their own turf, which you'd think is incredibly unlikely given India's second 11 was able to beat us on our own turf. (laughs) 
Yeah, look, you just couldn't believe it, Bonnie. I, I think the statistic is something like if India win two tests, the four tests, they will be in the final yeah. against New Zealand. And if so, that's a and you've got to look at it this way India, I think, have lost one out of their last 26 series at home. So, and they've got a wonderful team with all these uh, players coming out of the woodwork in Australia to go back into a team which will have the likes of Ashwin and Jadeja back and Boomer back. Mm. So, they're overflowing. So, Australia, incredibly, and they really did cover that position in the inaugural World Test Final at Lords in July. They they were desperate for it, but they looked like missing out because of a four-point penalty imposed during the Boxing Day Test for slow over rates, which is just like it's like bidding on a on a multi-million dollar mansion and falling one dollar short in the auction. It, it's just really <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> So for the big question, Crash, uh, look, Perth Scorchers or, or the Heat tomorrow? Who have you got? <laughs> I, I've got the Heat. Has to be the Scorchers. I like your Scorchers. Oh, come so. on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, one thing I'll say about the Heat, and, and Mitch, you know this from being an old Queensland boy, uh, the, the, both of these teams have added so much to the competition and the Heat have been yeah. hot and they've been cold. They've been all shades in between. But tell you what they are. They're quite watchable. You know, even when they go down, they go down in flames. People talk about them. And I yep. think they, they entertain heat, as they say, all sorts of temperatures, madhouse, hopeless, <laughs> great, good, average. But they're very easy to – they rate well on television. And when Chris Lim's batting, yep. the, the ratings go up. So I'll I, I be interested to see from where you sit, Mitch, but it's a pretty good big bash this year. I, I think it's sort of rebounded a bit, the competition, you sense so? Uh, I probably don't agree with you so much there, <laughs> but um, yeah, look, there's definitely been some outstanding performances, and I think you're right with with the Heat how they play. I think you might have given them a bit of a kick up the butt um, about a month ago. I did. Uh, there was, I yeah. think there was an article you you were talking about culture. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think Ben Cutting questioned the culture, and, and, and I get that. And it's I tell you what, here's mm. the interesting thing with Justin Langer being under the pump for being too intense. Yeah. yeah. And My about the question. same time as Darren Lehman is, may well get a contract extension at the Heat. And I was just thinking only 15 minutes ago, and I'll bounce this one off you, Mitch, that maybe the best coach is somewhere between Langer and Lehman. <laughs> the laissez-faire, mm. laid-back attitude of Lehman and the super intensity of Langer. I, I just wonder whether the man in the middle there, who, who's Andrew got the McDonald. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I might agree with you on that one. It's um, it is very interesting, isn't it? Seeing seeing some of these reports come out about Justin and and I mean, when I first moved to WA um, and Justin came on board after a couple of years, I think it was there was definitely a, a big switch in uh, the way that the players. Uh, performed and there was a lot of lot of talk about Justin then being very very tough on the players and and not giving him enough slack. Um, but it actually worked in the long run. So mm. maybe this is one of those things that just takes a bit of time. But yeah, who knows? Maybe there is that middleman. Um, I think Justin would probably want to do that job for a bit, little bit longer though. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I was going to say maybe you're right, or it's the opposite. Maybe the short, real, real fizzle effect his effect early on after the South African ball tampering affair was what they needed to straighten them up. And But it's yep. interesting, Mitch. Like, 
Wayne Bennett, who you know so well, the, the Brisbane Broncos coach, has been coaching mm. for 30 years. He believes that the single biggest thing that changed in his life as a coach is that when he started, he could say to players, your defence is rubbish, mate. Go home and fix it. And they'd go home and fix it. Whereas he said, now yeah. it's different. If you say that to a player now, you, you'll get his manager on the phone. Players have more power. They've got different income streams. IPL, you don't own them anymore. Whereas previously, that they had to – it was just you. It was just Australia. So yeah. the balance of power has shifted. I, I really sense that. Yeah. I, yeah, I still think that's a bit of a cop-out, though. Like, I think – you can still respect the the coach and and what they what they bring to the table, and I think for me, if I'm a player in that situation, you're you're listening to Justin Langer and, and you're doing everything possible um, and taking that criticism sometimes yep. on you've got to take it on board. I think it's it's the best way to go about it. But yeah, there's obviously a couple of things going on there, and I like. How Justin does come out and and um, he gets on the front foot a bit and gets it out there, and yeah, he doesn't mind being judged. Yeah, and, and that's a good thing. Like he's, but, but it's a good point too. And sometimes I'm reminded of this too, Mitchell, that for the first 109 years of Australia's test as, as a test cricket nation, there was no coach. And that's mm. why sometimes I find it hard to think that the coach is responsible too much for the team's failings. You know what I mean? Dennis Lilly, your mentor, was yep. uncoached at national level. Greg Chappell, Ian Chappell, Don Bradman did not have a national coach, yet they survived okay. And that's why sometimes when I hear, oh, it was Langer's fault, he was this, he was that, well, I think, really? Was it really him? I mean, shouldn't you be able to yep. follow a decent line and length? Or, or, you know, if you're a test batsman, I mean, how much does a coach affect things, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah good point. definitely. And it's hard being a coach, I guess, in 2021. Previously, it was all just about on field performance. Now it's culture, it's mental health, it's biosecure bubbles, it's protocols, and, and no objection certificates with IPL overlapping with our uh, competitions here our summer. So, plenty on Justin Langer's plate. It's been great to get your thoughts. And, Crash, I, I couldn't get a word in before between you two, but I do agree with you that the Big Bash, <laughs> the ratings would suggest it's up and about, it's bounced back, the gimmicky rule have paid off and Mitchell Johnson is a, a bit of a negative Nancy about it. So I'm on board with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because I thought the Big Bash would collapse in the bubble this mm-hmm. year and yeah. that the neutral venues and all that, it would really slide. And I'm not saying it's bounded forward, but it, it sort of surprised me how it's held its game. I think there's been a lot of good tight finishes and uh, um, eh, next year's a big year for it. Let, let's just wait yeah, and see. Definitely. It's a lot yep. to speak to you both again. It's been great to get the thoughts of Robert Craddock, very highly respected cricket journalist over there in Queensland. Now, Mitch... Looking ahead at making the most of our pick 11 teams this week, we're running out of options in terms of eight mm. teams have turned to three, and by Saturday that'll be down to two. Who would you say is the best bargain buy or, or the one player to sort of look out for in these remaining two matches? Uh, yeah, it's pretty tricky. Um, I mean, I could be pretty biased here and, and go for a Scorchers, which I probably will go for. Um, <laughs> I like... <laughs> Um, I'm really hoping Jason Berendorf actually comes up with the goods in these last couple of matches. Um, I just feel like, yeah, he's just starting to find a bit of form. Hopefully he gets the ball swinging around a bit. So he's one guy that I'm looking at. And I guess the other guy is uh, probably Richardson. I, lo- I like the way he started the other day. 
he bowled an absolute peach to start with and then sort of just lost his length a little bit. Um, if he gets that length right on that pitch, he's going to do some damage, I think. So I'm not going to go for a batsman because sure. I don't want the batsman to get all the accolades. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm still wary of, of the, uh, the Brisbane Heat as well. I think they've got a side that uh, is very dangerous. Um, anything can happen with them. They they really do rely on that top order to fire. When when Chris Lynn is going the way he he gets going, um, he's he's a real tough guy to stop. And and the way they bowled to him the other day, so Nisa, Nisa bowled that first ball, swung away, he cut it through point. Second ball he charged, and then he third ball he just got stuck on the crease, bowled him an absolute jaffa, and then fourth ball. Bold him. It's gone. Yeah. Um, so I think that's how you've got to bowl good balls to him and not get suckered into his game plan. So um, yeah, have to just go, have to bowl good balls to ball him straight up. Um, so yeah, you put the pressure back on the on the heat. Uh, otherwise, they can get away. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm hoping the Scorchers get through, and I think if they get through, they'll win the final. Big call. Very good, Peach, to leave us on. I hope you are correct for their sake, and I think that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. So thank you very much for joining us. We've been brought to you by TabTouch. Make the most of summer. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Mitch, thank you very much for joining us despite being in lockdown over Zoom today, um, staying safe at home. Hopefully we'll be back in studio next week. Um, Stay safe and... um, Watch the big final on Saturday. We'll see who who gets to hold the BBL 10 trophy. Go the Scorchers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Very- You've been listening to The Fast and The Curious with Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner. Subscribe for weekly pods over the summer of cricket and remember to send in your questions to Mitch before the next episode.